understand your purpose. But we understand there is one greater than Solomon here. So Lord, we pray that you may give us an open heaven. Lord, we pray that you may anoint the speaking. You anoint the, the translator. And you anoint the hearers. Lord, we may understand your purpose. We may be able to respond to your call. So Lord, we do ask that you may make clear to us what, what is thy kingdom and thy righteousness. So we commit this time into your very hands. We pray that you may make it useful in your sight. Lord, that you may give us a teachable heart. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can we turn to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. And verse 33. But seek first his Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then finally, in Revelation, Chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And we'll read verse 15. Revelation 11, 15. Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. We know that recently we have been considering this theme of thy kingdom and thy righteousness. 我们最近在思考这样的一个主题，就是你的国度和你的公义。
various brothers have shared the burden they have received from the Lord in this matter. So this morning I'd like to share the little burden that the Lord has put in my heart. And especially this matter of the kingdom. Sometimes we hear the word kingdom. And we almost uh, don't think too much about it. Uh, we think of it, uh, we know, uh, you know, the Lord is king. We know that, you know, um, the Lord said to Nicodemus, you have to believe. You will see the kingdom of God. You will enter the kingdom of God. And we don't think much about it. But in actuality, the kingdom is at the very center of the purpose of God. It is central to the thought that is in the Bible. It is so critical for us to understand what this kingdom is. This kingdom is not something very abstract. It's something very real. It's at the heart of what God is doing. How do we know that? Actually, if you want to know what a book is about, um, and if you only had 10 minutes to understand this book, for you to really understand what it's all about, what you probably want to do is read the beginning of the book, and then read the end of the book, and then you get an understanding what this whole book is about. So earlier we read two portions of the scriptures, one in the beginning of the Bible, and one at the end of the Bible. So this actually calls out what the Bible is about. So we read in Genesis chapter 1. And we know that Genesis chapter 1 talks about the creation of God. But the question is, why, why, why did God create this, this earth? Why did he create the birds of the, the air? The fish in the sea. And then the, the, the oxen and sheep in the field. Why did, why did God create us? And God, and, but it's very clear that God explicitly tells us why he did that. And we read, God created man in his own image. And God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. And subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the purpose of God is that man would subdue the earth. That he will rule. In other words, man was to be the king of this earth. And 
not only be the king of this earth, but he had to be fruitful and multiply. So what do we find here? God was looking for uh, uh, in creating man that all things would be subdued under his feet. That he would rule. Why was that? Because he, uh, because God himself was the king. And when he created this earth, he, he wanted this earth to be a reflection of heaven. Just as he is the king of the universe, he wanted someone here on earth to represent him. To share share in his wisdom. So here it says, man was created in his image. And uh, and uh, 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 so. If you see the wonderful creation of God, He is made up of, uh, um, the Bible says He is a living soul. So this soul was created in the image of God. So God was wisdom, and therefore He put a spark of His wisdom in man, became the mind, man's mind. God is love. And then he gave gave man emotion. We can love. We can hate sin. But also he gave man a will. Because God is a God of will. And he made us in his image. We were to be a reflection of heaven. And, and in the purpose of God, he, because man was a man of will, God wanted to give man a choice, which was actually, frankly, at the center of everything. So, he put a tree in the middle of the garden, two trees in the middle of the garden, tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One spoke of dependence on God, one spoke of self-reliance. So in any case, uh, the, the will of God, was that man would be obedient to God, and in his obedience, he would know how to rule this earth. That was the wonderful will of God. But we know what happened. The whole Bible is like a, um, actually, the, the whole Bible is just like a, a, a wonderful play act. Um, and there are many acts. And God put everything together in a wonderful way. But so so I give you a little glimpse of the beginning of the book. So we know that the purpose of God is that man will be king. King of this earth. Uh, to rule the, the, the birds of the air, 
fish of the sea, and then also every living thing that moves on the earth. So here you find kingship. You find a glimpse of the kingdom. Okay, so here is the introduction of this uh, wonderful play act. And then we read another verse. In Genesis, uh, Revelation chapter 11. And there we find the kingdom as well. Here we find the summary of the work of God. And in, in Revelation chapter 11, in verse 15, it says, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. So we know the conclusion is a wonderful ending. It's a happy ending. Because the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of the Christ. And, and he will reign forever and ever. So here we see the end of the book. We also see the kingdom. We not only see the kingdom, but we see the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will reign forever and ever. Okay, so now we know what the Bible is about. It's about kingship. It's about his kingdom. And then throughout the whole Bible, you will find this matter of kingdom at the as the very central thought of the whole Bible. Um, if you read uh, Genesis chapter 1, well, you thought, wow, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God formed the earth. And then in six days he created uh, everything. And on the seventh day he rested. And then we read about how man was supposed to subdue everything. So we already talked about here was this matter of kingship. Uh, and who is king? Um, but if you read carefully, Actually, there's much more to Genesis chapter 1. And I already mentioned that Genesis, the whole Bible is like a play act. There's this whole story about the kingship of God. And what do I mean when I say something, there's something more to Genesis chapter 1? Now, you remember I said that um, earth was to be a reflection of heaven. You know, the, the glory of God is when he is king. And our glory is when we subject to Him. So, um, uh, so, so hold that thought. So we know that, that man now has a part in the will of God. But why did man, God create man? Why did God create the way he created man. 
Because something happened between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. I said there was something more to the In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, the word was in this uh, chapter, verse 2. The earth was formless and void. This word was can be translated was. But this word can also be translated became. So that the earth became formless and void. So now if you just read this first, you'd be confused. Well, is it was or was it became? So you need other scriptures to help explain whether this word was should be translated was or became. So let us turn to one of the portions of the scripture in Psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God. And you are lower than the angels, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the work of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the fields. The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When you read this psalm, doesn't it remind you of the portion we just read? 
所以你知道这是否提醒你我们刚才所读过的经节呢？Does you know this is an echo of Genesis chapter one？大家知道这是好像对创世纪第一章的回应。So what? If you read Gen, uh, uh, Psalm 8 verse 1, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. We come back to the thought that earth is to be majestic. It ought to display the splendor above the heavens. It should reflect the glory of God. The name of the Lord should be majestic on this earth. So when you read Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, when you consider the creation of God, here it talks about the earth being formless and void. The earth is not filled with the majesty of God. It's not reflecting the splendor of God. We don't have time uh, to look at other scriptures, but there are other scriptures that tell us that God did not make the earth formless or, or uh, empty. But the point of the matter is this. This tells us that something happens in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And what we see that story in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. And what was that story? Was that when God created the angels, that was the story of the angels. Was that when God created the angels, was that when God created the angels, was that when God created the angels, was that created the angels, was that when God created the angels, was that but he did not like being the created being. He did not want to submit himself under the kingship of God. So he rebelled. So him and a third of the angels were cast down to this solar system to the earth. So that the earth became formless and void. So there were many things that happened. So you see that when God created the angels, they were to serve Him. They were to honor Him. Now, God could have just, at that time, just destroyed Satan. But God did not choose to destroy Satan. Now, as as the Creator, now to be able to create something, and then to destroy it, uh, it's it's it happens, right? If I create something and I destroy it, there's nothing about it. 
So Satan could very much tell God, Of course you're the creator. Now if um, you created me, and destroyed me, what is that? That only demonstrates that God is powerful. Uh, so destroying Satan, would only demonstrate the power of God. But that's not what God wanted to do. In the book of Ephesians, uh, there's a verse in there that says, God wants to demonstrate His manifold wisdom. The manifold wisdom of God is going to be demonstrated through His church. To show whom? To show whom? To the principalities and powers. So if God could have just destroyed Satan, but He would only show Him as a powerful creator and destroyer. But God did not do that. And that's when the story starts to unfold. So when we read in Psalm chapter Psalm 8, as we read about the story of creation, here it says, What is man that you take thought of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Now God could have created a being that was a little bit more powerful than the angel. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you send me into a boxing ring with Muhammad Ali, uh, yeah, or Mike Tyson. It's like I have no chance. I mean, come on. Right? I would get pummeled with one punch. For maybe like a tenth of the punch. I would, I would right? So God could have created something more powerful than Satan to take care of Satan. But God did not do that. Here it says, You made him a little lower than the angels. Ah, we talked about demonstrating his wisdom. So God made him a little lower than the angels. But not only that, if you read verse 2, it says, From the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength. Because of your adversaries, to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Not just a little lower than the angels, but make them like infants and nursing babes. But in these infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. Now, when obviously, um, uh, you know, the difference between man and animals, uh, if you take an example of a man and a chimp, so they look very similar, but it's, but it's they're actually very different. Because when a chimp is born, 
already has a developed brain. So if you look at a, a, a calf, for example, when it's born, it can already walk the first day. Uh, but when humans are born, our IQ is zero. So there is none, no creation like the human where it is, needs to be so dependent. Uh, a shark is born with a mouth full of teeth when they're born. But us humans were born without teeth. And if, we're, if we actually born with teeth, our, our mom would be a little bit shocked, more than shocked, right? And then if we're born the first day and we can start walking, they would, she would faint too, right? <laughs> but you see, God made him a little lower than the angels. And made him as infants. Made him with a dependent life. So here is the story. Why did God create man? And when God created man, why did he make him a little lower than the angels? Because here he was creating a life that was dependent on him. So when God created Adam and Eve, he gave him a dependent life. When, so you, you see the story? How are they going to be kings? How are they going to rule the earth? The, the, the fish of the, the sea and the birds of the sky. You see here that they, God wanted them to depend, be dependent on Him. As they submitted to Him, they would know how to be kings. And uh, as they were at the feet of God, all things would be subject to Him. So that's why you saw the tree of life. God so longed that man would take of the tree of life to be dependent on Him. The king, kingship in the sight of God was always uh, a submitted life. If man was able to submit to God, he would be able to rule everything. Satan didn't do it. Satan couldn't do it. He would not submit to God. He would not submit to his kingship. So God made man a little lower than the angels. In order to demonstrate his wisdom. In order to show the principalities and powers. Here is a people that is willing to submit to me. But we know what happened. Unfortunately, in the Garden of Eden, man did not pick from the tree of life, but he picked of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, Satan didn't want God to accomplish his work through man. 
So man took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man declared his independence in the Garden of Eden. So then you saw the story unfold. Tragedy struck again. Man was not willing to submit to God. And not only that, you saw the progression of man's sin. And then uh, throughout the rest of the Bible, you will see how uh, God ultimately at the end is able to get what he wants. So then what happened? So if you read, in the beginning man fell into sin. But not only did man fall into into sin, 不但人, uh, 犯罪, 犯罪堕落在罪当中, then you saw how man fell into the flesh. But then not only that, 不但如此, in Genesis chapter 11, 在创世纪第十一章, how man fell into the world. Genesis 11 is very important. Because it showed man not only falling as an individual, but as a organized system. What do I mean? Do you remember the story of Genesis chapter 11? Do you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Genesis chapter 11 verse 1 Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. And verse 4 They said, Come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name otherwise we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. Uh, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So you here saw man... Wanting to unite together. And declare their independence of God. They said, we can go to heaven, we can reach heaven without God. We don't need him to rule over us. Now who was the leader of this, uh, the, the nations at the time? 
Earlier in chapter 10, we find out about a person named Nimrod. In verse, verse 9, he says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. In verse 10, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And then many other places. And then from that land he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh and Rehobo, Ir, and Kala, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kala. This is the great city. In any case, we here get a glimpse of who the leader was. And there are writings that are that are outside of the Bible that also tell us Nimrod was a leader that led the people to build the Tower of Babel. And there are also writings that said Nimrod called himself God and wanted people to worship him. So you see what was happening here. Here uh, he was someone that wanted to establish a kingdom without God. And this will be the start of this organized system that was against God. As a matter of fact, here you see the spirit of the Antichrist. So Nimrod was one of the many Antichrists. Anyways, he led the people to rebel against God. Independence of God. We don't need to rely on God. So here was the fall of man. So as if there goes the purpose of God. God created man for man to be dependent on him. But here, not only was he not dependent on him, he was someone was organizing a a a system to rebel against God, to declare man's independence. So there you start see the markings of the kingdom of this world. But thank God, the Lord God was not going to be frustrated by this. He started the, the work of recovery of his kingship in Genesis chapter 1. When he created man, when, when even though the earth had become fullless and void, the Lord brought life to it again. As if that was the first phase of God's work of recovery. But here man, but here man fell. As if the work of God was frustrated. But that did not stop God. So Genesis 11 was the rebellion of man. But in Genesis, starting from Genesis 12, 
God started his work of recovery. So God called a, name, a man by the name of Abraham. And God called him out of the Ur of Chaldea. Actually, Ur of Chaldea is at the heartland of where the Assyrians and the Babylonians were. This great power and kingdom that was initiated by Nimrod. But God not only called out Abraham as an individual. Later on, he would bring in Isaac. And then God made a promise to Abraham. That his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. And God not only called Abraham as an individual, but later on he got a family in the family of Jacob. And then a nation, nation of Israel. So God uh, uh, started his work of recovery. Now, what was the purpose of the nation of Israel? Now, um, there are three things, really. First, God placed His Word in the hands of the people of Israel. The, the Word of God that would foretell of the Messiah that would be coming. The second point, uh, he, the people of Israel it was a peculiar people. Uh -huh. They would be a pure race. So God had told uh, Abraham that out of your seed, the nations will be blessed. So we know that this people of Israel, they will be, be kept a pure race to bring in the Messiah. The third aspect, the people of Israel will serve as a, um, almost like a, a preview to the work of God later on. We know that God's original purpose was that the whole earth would be a reflection of heaven. He said, be fruitful and multiply. The glory of God was to reach to the ends of the earth. But you see, in the people of Israel, God promised them a piece of land. And this land would be flowing with milk and honey. And what did God tell His people? Wherever your feet step upon on this land, it shall be yours. Remember, whenever the people of Israel they submitted to God, when they were dependent on God, they would win their battles. If they did not obey, they would lose their battles. So you saw in this piece of land, it was a piece of land that could be recovered for the sake of God. 
There's a piece of land that would demonstrate the glory of God. Um, to speak of, and in two New Testament terms, the unsearchable riches of Christ. But in any case, God wanted to um, this start His work of recovery. And then ultimately to bring in the Messiah. Um, but again, unfortunately, the people of Israel failed. Again, um, um, just like the whole earth was lost to the enemy, this piece of land was to bring glory to God. The people of Israel were supposed to take a hold of that land. And then there to honor God. To worship God. So, but later on, you know, they worshiped idols. And what happened? Then the land was taken from them. The city was taken from them. The temple was destroyed. So, you know, they failed. And not only that, 不但如此, they were scattered to the to the rest of the world. But again, what we said was the people of Israel, they were there as a preview to the work of God. And but the the real work of God would not be really truly realized. Until his son came. Now, do you remember our Lord when he came? He was born in a manger. He was helpless. And he had to learn obedience. So you saw a dependent life. But a life that was fully dependent on his father. When he was twelve, said, Should I not be mindful of the things of my father's house? Yet he learned obedience. Remember, when he was a full grown man, what did he say? I came not to serve, but not to be served, but to serve. He uh, he told his disciples, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You ought to wash one another's feet. He who is the least will be the greatest among you. He gave him Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Isn't that strange? The blessed... Uh, why don't we read there? I'm sure we're all very familiar.
said, uh, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. 他说, um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He came speaking something that people never heard about. But in verse 5 of, uh, of Matthew 5, 5, 5 verse 5, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, remember, we talked about the, the will of God was that man would be fruitful and multiply to the ends of the earth. Here the Lord says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And in this world, if you're gentle, you're gonna be run over. I mean we live in New York City, right? You can't be gentle here. If you're too gentle when you're driving, you're never gonna merge onto the highway. <laughs> If you're gentle, you're not going to get in front of the line. You have to be tough. You have to be rude. That's a good citizen of New York City. Right. Isn't, that, isn't this the world? But here the Lord says, Blessed are the gentle. This should remind you of Psalm 8. Out of the mouth of babes, out of infants, you will derive strength. Doesn't this sound like a little upside down? But here was uh, uh, our Lord and our King. Now, Matthew is this book that talks about the Lord's kingship. And if we read just the beginning, we'll get a glimpse of what this is about. Matthew 1, verse 1. It said, The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. This would summarize what kind of king our Lord was. Now, now who was the son of David? Solomon. Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man to have ever lived. But People from the end, the Queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth to hear him speak. But what did the Lord say? Behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. So if you read the whole book of Matthew, and especially the English Bible, it has all the words of the Lord in red. So actually most of Matthew, actually majority of Matthew is all in red. 
大部分的马太福音都是有这个红。You see the wisdom of the king. 我们看到王的智慧。But not only that, it says he's also the son of Abraham. 不但如此，他也是亚伯拉罕的子孙。And remember the son, uh, the uh, the son of Abraham, who was the father of Isaac. 亚伯拉罕的后裔就是呃，亚伯拉罕是埃呃以撒的父亲。Sorry, the the son of Abraham was Isaac. 亚伯拉罕的后裔就是以撒。And remember. There's not much memorable about Isaac, right? But he was actually very important. One of the most critical uh, uh, stories of Isaac was um, the story of him being offered up. But in actuality, it speaks about uh, how there was, you know, Jacob did a lot and spoke a lot, probably. 但实际上我们知道圣经讲到雅各他做了很多事情,说了很多话。But Isaac didn't do much. 但是以撒没有做太多事。Didn't say much. 也没有说太多的话。But yet, he was obedient to his father. 但是他对他的父是。And he was willing to be that sacrifice. 他愿意成为那个祭物。So he was the perfect type for our Lord himself. 他是我们主一个非常好的一个预表。that he would be offer himself as the sacrifice. So this is the king. On the one hand, we see the wisdom of Solomon. On the other hand, we see the heart of Isaac. Willing to die for us. Willing to submit to the will of the Father. So that's why he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. This is our king. And um, so this is the, the gospel of Matthew. So when the Lord came, He, in a way, He wanted to turn our thoughts around. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, uh, is very different. Uh, the more dependent you are, the more gentle you are, uh, the better it is. Actually, yes, the more suitable you are for this kingdom. So this kind of makes us think back of what we we already talked about. That Ever since the fall of man, 自从人的堕落, there has been not just an individual fall of man, 不只是个人的堕落, but the whole world has risen up to rebel against God. And this is the world that we're living in. Uh, and um, But thank the Lord that God had his work started his work of recovery. Through the people of Israel brought in the Messiah. But the question is this. What what does you know this have to do with us? Now when the Lord came the the purpose of God, how would the purpose of God be fulfilled? Now we know that 
The Lord was obedient to his father. The Lord said, I do not do anything on my own initiative. Whatever my father says, I I do. That's why on the Mount of Transfiguration, that's why God said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Because he's completely obedient to me. In him, I'm completely satisfied. So in the Lord Jesus, God was able to find everything that that pleased him. So the Lord Jesus acknowledged our God and gave him the rightful place. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be fast. So we know that in the Lord Himself, He was able to fully restore that which was God's. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was talking to Elijah and Moses about how he would leave this world, at that point, the Lord probably could have just ascended to heaven from there. His face shone with glory. The God was fully satisfied with him. But that was not the end of the story. The Bible tells us that the Lord set his face to Jerusalem because he thought of you and I. Because he was willing to become that seed, the grain of wheat that fell into the ground and died and bore much fruit. So out of his death, out of his resurrection, he was willing to impart that life to us. Now we who have believed in the Lord Jesus, when we partake of that tree, our Lord is that tree of life. When we partake of his life, we are once again telling God, we are declaring our dependence on you. So it pleased God to bring many sons to glory. That not only would the Lord Jesus satisfy the Father, but he wanted to include us in his purpose. To take us back to the condition in Genesis. His will is that earth be a reflection of heaven. His will is that man would be submitted to him. Be obedient to him. Acknowledge his kingship. God never forgot his will. For man to rule the earth. For man to rule over the birds of the air, the fish in the sea, and the beasts in the field. 
God did not forget His purpose. But through the work of our Lord Jesus, He was able to impart His life to us. That life that's fully dependent. The life of an infant. The Lord said, I thank you, Lord, because He did not reveal this to the wise. But to the babes. So there the Lord continued his work of recovery. So today, what is it that the Lord is doing? He is preparing for us. He's preparing us to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. And that is to rule and to reign. Now we read in Revelation chapter 19, uh, sorry, chapter 11, that the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. The, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the end of it. If you read in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has name written on him which no one knows except himself. 他审判征战都按着公义，他眼睛如火焰，他头上戴着许多的冠冕，就写着他的名字。除了他自己，没有人知道。From his mouth comes a first fifteen. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 有利剑从他口中出来，可以击杀列国。他必用铁杖管辖他们，并要揣钱能神烈怒的酒杖。在他衣服和大腿上有明写着说：“万王之王，万主之主。” And then not only that，不但如此，If we continue on，我们继续读Chapter twenty verse four，二十章第四节。Then I saw thrones and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus. Because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. 第二十章第四节，我又看见有几几个宝座，也有坐在上面的，并有审判权柄赐给他们。我又看见那些因给耶稣做见证，并为神知道被斩者的灵魂，和那没有拜过兽和兽像。也没有在额上和手上受过他印记之人的灵魂，他们都复活了，与基督一同作王一千年。So we here not only see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords，我们在这里不但看到万王之王、万主之主，but we saw saw these who were brought to life，我们也看到这些复活的，and these reigned with Christ for a thousand years。这些与基督一同作王一千年的。
There are other portions in the book of Revelation. But we read here earlier that he will rule with a rod of iron. Actually, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, the Lord said, To him who overcomes, he will also rule with a rod of iron. Uh, and uh, in another reference to the male child in chapter 12, and then he would also rule with a uh, rod of iron. In any case, we see here that in the ultimate end of the purpose of God, you see not just the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, not only is he victorious, but he brought many sons into glory. So that they would reign with them for a thousand years. So then is the will of God accomplished. When the when when these ones will reign with Christ, they will rule over the earth. But who are these ones? This is our hope, brothers and sisters. This is what the kingdom is about. What is God doing today? He's preparing us to be kings. To rule and to reign with Him. But this kingdom is very different. It's not like the kingdom of this world. If you look at the kingdoms of this world, whoever has the biggest army, Whoever speaks the loudest, he will rule and reign. And, however, what is our hope? Our hope is that we will rule and reign with him. But what is the secret? We turn the other cheek. We are, uh, we are to be the least. And then one day we'll be brought into glory. So this is what the Lord is doing. So you see this wonderful end. And uh, this is what the Lord is doing. But let me come back to this. I already said that um, after man fell, there was a whole system of this world that rose up to be against God. I want to bring another uh, your attention to something, uh, an additional point. How, how did God show us what, what became of man? Or how do we look at this from another perspective? We said that, so, um, after man fell, uh, through the leadership of Satan, Satan continues to work in this world. In contrast or in opposition to the work of God. 
there's nothing more clear than what we see in the book of Daniel. We saw a little, we, we understand a little bit about how the kingdom of God is. But, but through the book of Daniel, we see another picture. We see the picture of this world. And the kingdom of this world. So you see, throughout the whole Bible, you see a big, a great battle between God and Satan, between God and the kingdom of this world. And um, this is the other side of things that I wanted to show you. So, when the Lord talked about His return, uh, the disciples asked him a question. Lord, when is this all going to happen? The Lord mentioned something. He said, when you see the fig tree, and it put forth its leaves, you know that the Son of Man is at the doors. So you know that, um, uh, and we know that the fig tree speaks about Israel. So why is it relate why does this relate to us? Because uh, because Paul tells us that we ought to be alert because the Lord is coming back. So we have very little time to allow the Lord to prepare us to be king. So we need to be alert. Well, why do we need to be alert? First of all, the fig tree has already put forth its leaves. In 1948, Israel became a nation. Many things happened since then uh, uh, in Israel. But not only that, in the same recording in the Gospel of Luke, uh, uh, the Lord says, Behold, the tree and all the trees put forth its leaves. So we know that the Old Testament, Israel had all of these enemies. Assyria, Babylon, and then later on Persia, etc. But according to the, to the Lord's prophecy or his his uh what he said other trees will also put forth their leaves so to make it interesting and exciting other enemies of israel will also rise up so long story short so there must be some other place in the bible that talks about a tree being cut down and then restoring its leaves that brings us to the book of Daniel. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a dream of a big tree. And it was chopped down. But then after seven years, it came back. So we know that this speaks about Nebuchadnezzar. And he became crazy for seven years because he became proud. 
But after seven years, he was restored. And uh, long story short, seven years is 2,520 days. Because a biblical year is 360 days. So, Seven times three sixty is two thousand five hundred and twenty. So in any case, uh, in five hundred and thirty-nine BC, 在, uh, there was a battle between Babylon and Persia. Babylon was modern day Iraq. Uh, Persia is modern day Iran. Uh, and they had a war. And then Babylon lost. Uh, but if you add 2,520 years, because we talked about a tree being cut down, and then the Lord said, All the trees put forth its leaves. 因为那个树被砍断了，后来我又说到那些树都发芽长出来。You know that the Son of Man is, you know that the Lord is near. 你就知道人子就到近了。So 2,520 plus 5,39 主前五百三十九年加上两千五百二十年，就是一九八一。一九八一年。在一九八一年，有从伊朗和伊拉克之间。So，anyway，Babylon's Iraq has really been in the news. And you see with that Iran and all these other nations. Any all these enemies of Israel. So you see the 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 battle, right? Not only Israel is back up. But all the other nations as well. It's enemies. So we know that the Lord is near. But this should remind us of the in the book of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar had another dream. Which was a dream of a big statue. Of gold, gold head, silver breast, bronze, uh, um, uh, Torso, torso, and then uh, iron legs of iron, uh, and clay, and then feet of iron and clay. So here, this is what the Bible describes as the kingdom of this world. There were many kingdoms that existed in ancient in the ancient world. But the Bible explicitly calls out these kingdoms. 
already mentioned, starting in 539 BC, he had the Babylonian Empire. After they were defeated, uh, sorry, they were defeated in 539, then Persia ruled, which is modern day Iran. After uh, Persian, the Persian Empire, they were defeated by Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire. And then after the Greek Empire, uh, which was the, the uh, bronze torso, there was, they were defeated by the Roman Empire. Uh, now, uh, when it came to Persia, 在波斯帝国的时候, the statue has two arms, right? 那个, well, the, the Persian Empire was known as the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, Medo. Medo. The Midianites and the Persians. 还有, uh, the, the Midianites are nothing but modern-day Kurds. Uh, and anyway, and then why why did the Roman Empire have two legs? Because you have the Western Empire and the Eastern Empire. Why is this all relevant? The most important part is this. Uh, that there is the feet of iron and clay. Uh, and actually, the, obviously, you have ten toes, right? Well, so what, what really this, talk, this statue talks about, it talks about the history of the kingdom of this world. Now, outwardly speaking, in the eyes of these emperors, it's a great statue. 从外表来说，在这些王的国、地上王的角度，这好像一个很大的像。Full of glory，好像充满了荣耀。But in Daniel chapter seven, it also described the same event, but used them as beasts. 但是在但以理书第七章，同样的同样的事情，但是用了是兽来做代表。So you have the lion，你还有狮子。Then you have the bear，然后你有熊。Then the leopards，然后有豹子。And then the final beast was a ferocious beast. Who had seven heads and ten horns. We don't have time to go into the details. But ultimately, that last kingdom speaks of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Anyway, uh, if, you, if you look at the history of, of, of mankind, you're able to trace all of the history from the Babylonian Empire, to the Median Empire, to the Greek Empire, uh, to the Greek Empire. 你就可以从巴比伦王国，从波斯王国，从呃呃希腊王国。And then to the Roman Empire. 然后罗马国。You have the Western Roman Empire. 你有东罗马。Eastern Roman Empire.西罗马，西罗马。When you come to the feet of iron and clay. 当到了那个土和你铁的脚的时候。You you come um right before that. 在那之前。in 1918, for various reasons that we don't have time to go into, where this term, czar, for the Russian czar, 
Tsar is nothing but Caesar. You also have this term Kaiser in Germany. Kaiser in Germany. It also means Caesar. But in any case, their power came to end in 1918. You come to the feet of iron and clay. In the 20th century, you see the iron fist of uh, Soviet Union and China. But you also see democracy arising. You see this speaks of the clay. So we come to the ten toes. And it likely speaks of the United Kingdom that is coming. Starting from Europe. European Union. The important thing about that prophecy is there's a huge stone that crushes the foot of this great statue. And there, then a, 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 a kingdom is established forever. This speaks of our Lord. That's the important uh, prophecy. The kingdom of this world, and then we talked about, we read a verse that says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will strike at the foot of that statue, and the kingdom of this world will come crumbling down. So brothers and sisters, why should we not love the world? Outwardly speaking, it looks glorious. Outwardly speaking, it's very attractive. To pursue it, to go after it. But inwardly, the world are like beasts. The world is like a beast. It is there to destroy you. It is there to oppose God. To destroy the work of God. Finally, uh, the Lord came and destroyed them. We saw that in Revelation chapter 19. And they will reign with him. And the Lord's work is finished. But there's a very interesting thing about this, this kingdom. In Genesis chapter 9, Genesis chapter 11, God uh, the, the Tower of Babel was called the Tower of Babel because God confused their language. Because God knew if they united, they would not they would they would do much destruction. Nimrod was the first Antichrist. When you come to the final Antichrist, he's also going to do a work of unification. So what language created a barrier before? The Antichrist is going to do something where language doesn't matter anymore. In the book of Revelation, it talks about two witnesses. Actually, I think it's good for us to read there. 
Revelation chapter 11. And then uh, verse 3, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. Verse 6, These have power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall during the days. And they did many things that, that upset the, the people of this world. And verse 7, the beast comes up and will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is mystically called Sodom and Egypt. And verse 9, verse 9, those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in the tomb. 从各名, 各族各方, you tell me how in the time of John this would be possible. Verse 9. How can all peoples and tribes and tongues and nations look at the same set of bodies? Even a hundred years ago, this would not be possible. But, but today, anywhere you are in the world, whether on CNN, or whether on YouTube, you can look at the same set of bodies. Anywhere in the world. So, do you see the trend that that's happening? God confused man's language because he did not want man to unify in rebellion against him. But what is it that the enemy is doing today? He's unifying man again. In the European Union, they have one shared currency. They have one passport. They have almost the form of one government. They don't need to speak the same language. CNN is uniting the world. The reason why the whole uh, Arab Spring happened because of YouTube and Facebook and other things. So, language separated man, but today man is being brought unified again. Actually, you know, you ever heard of the term six degrees of separation? Meaning that me and anybody else in this world should have six degrees of separation, meaning I should know him who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, six degrees of separation, I'll definitely be able to connect to that person. Now, according to Facebook, anybody on Facebook today is 
3.7 degrees of separation from the next person. So if let's say, um, I don't know who, uh, President Obama is on Facebook. I will know, I will only be separated him by three people in between us. You see how this world is shrinking. How the world is unified. If you walk around, almost everybody has an iPhone now. Especially among young people. iPads. These things are unifying the world. And later on, we read in the book of Revelation also about the mark of the beast. If you do not have the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell. During the tribulation. Again, something unimaginable a hundred years ago. Now I can go into a Starbucks and pay with my iPhone. Without any cash. You can buy so much stuff online. No cash. And, uh, and you know, so on and so forth, you know, the world is being unified. But again, you see the spirit of the Antichrist brings us back to that, um, the battle of the ages. But thank the Lord. We're not here just to look at this with, you know, uh, um, uh, as out of curiosity. But we do see that the whole Bible is like I said, like a wonderful play act. So much drama. So much drama. But thank the Lord that behind it there is the purpose of God. And we have a part of it. Now today the kingdom of the Lord is in secret. It is not apparent that the Lord is king. So that's where we come in. So before the Lord comes back, the Lord in every city in this world has embedded people like you and me. We're like uh, as if like paratroopers sent in before the conquest. Where where we acknowledge our Lord as King. Where we live a dependent life. This is our testimony. This is what the Lord has done in each one of our lives. And thank the Lord. Even though, in the end, in rebellion against God, there is an effort to unify the world. We know that true unity comes out of His life. So the world is trying to unify the world. But we know that true oneness comes through His life. That's why the Lord said that they may be one as you and I are one. Um, and this, this 
is uh, the work that the Lord is doing. I know our time is up, but I just wanted to share a, a real quick a few slides to you. This is the this is the statue I was talking to you about. It has a gold head, silver breast, bronze torso, legs of iron, and a feet of iron and clay. And then left on the left hand side are the four beasts. And I can, you can see on the right hand side, but it actually goes into the detail about the history of each of these empires. You can see, uh, can, you, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, I don't need this? Okay. So, uh, uh, here you see, and, and then in, in the detail, it will explain why is it uh, two arms and then two legs. And how amazingly the, 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 the two legs uh, end on 1918. So if you have a chance, read Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 9. And uh, maybe we can post this uh, this slide online. But this is the kingdom of the world. Um, I have another slide to show you. Now, th- now this this is a picture of Aaron, the high priest. And um, the contrasting picture is found in Psalm 133. There it talks about um, uh, uh, blessed. Uh, it talks about how how. How blessed is for brethren to get, 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 dwell together in unity. It's like the dew of Hermon. And then it's like the oil upon the head of Aaron going all the way down to the hem of his garment. Earlier we saw the picture of the, the kingdom of this world. How through the power of the beast, there's an attempt to unify mankind. But we see in reality, the, the real oneness, the, the work of God, is for that corporate man, 
整体的一个人。Christ has the head. 就是耶稣基督是头。And the church his body. 教会是他的身体。And the to be drenched in oil. 好像就被油所高。Means to be filled with life. 就被生命所充满。So this is the work that God is doing. 这就是神所做的工作。Is through that life. 就通过那生命。Not just that only that life. 不但是那个生命。But also a life of service. So you see the picture of the priest. So there is, so in the Bible there's this concept of a kingdom of priests. I just wanted to show you the contrast. The kingdom of this world and Psalm 133. And just one last picture I want to show you. Now, there, there's a lot in this, in this diagram. But just quickly, so the kingdom of God is from eternity to eternity. When the Bible talks about the kingdom of the heavens, it refers to when the Lord came, when His first coming, until his, the end of the, the Messianic kingdom. Now, I mentioned today that today the kingdom is a kingdom in mystery. It's not apparent to the world. But it's apparent in our hearts. So the kingdom of mystery speaks about us acknowledging our Lord as king today. So until the Lord's second coming, we read about this earlier. One day everyone will see that the Lord is King. And there's, we will reign with Him for a thousand years. And in those thousand years, the Bible says His scepter is a scepter of righteousness. So he will rule with a rod of iron. He came first as the Lamb of God. In his first coming, he redeemed us. He now has a kingdom that's a kingdom of mystery. He has gained a people that love him and honor him as king. Now he has as if sent paratroopers us into the world to win back the lost territory to recover the, the original purpose of God. But when will the kingdom be in manifestation? It will be during the thousand years. That's when what was spoken of in Genesis chapter 1 that man would rule the earth will come back to become a reality. You see there, everyone in that kingdom that reigns is going to have the life of Christ, a dependent life. Learn, they have learned the lesson of how to be dependent on Christ. 
所以他们就要与基督一同执掌来拿着铁杖 Sister, sorry I used up a lot of time. And there was a lot of information too. May the Lord uh, uh, do His own interpretation. So why don't we just bow with the word of prayer. Lord, we are so humbled at Your word. Lord, we ask, Lord, that if, if it pleases You, that You may use uh, this, these words. If there is anything that does not please you, please remove it. But Lord, we do ask that you may continue to show us uh, this matter of the kingdom. That we may not just that we may be able to understand your purpose. Understand your work. We may be able to respond to your call. Lord, we may truly learn, uh, Lord, to Live a dependent life. We may learn how to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, we want to be a part of your work. We thank you, Lord. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, today in our hearts, you are our King. And Lord, you continue to do a work in us. So that one day we may be ready to reign with you. Lord, do this work. And we thank you, Lord, that ultimately, Lord, your kingship will be known to the whole world. Lord, that God will be able to demonstrate his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers. That you made man a little lower than the angels. And yet is able to fulfill the purpose of God. To be victorious over the enemy. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.